I don't think many of us would argue with the fact that names are a big deal in our lives. We all have names. Sometimes we get called names. Sometimes we don't remember names. Sometimes we are freakishly good at remembering names. But no matter where you're at, names are important. Now, we're continuing a series today called AKA God. And we're talking about different names of God. Last week, we talked about Elohim, which means mighty creator. And today we're talking about Jehovah Jireh, which at first glance kind of sounds a little weird. We don't know what it means. It doesn't make much sense. There are a lot of names in the world that don't make sense. Here's one that I found. Here is Sam and Ella's Chicken Palace. I want to know what a chicken palace is. It's in Oklahoma. I'm planning on going there now because any good chicken palace also has pizza and subs. So, but when I first interacted with this name, it didn't change anything for me. I was like, okay, that's fine, Sam and Ella's. But then I said it a little faster. Sam and Ella's, Sam and Ella, <laughs> Sam and Ella. Why would you name your chicken palace Sam and Ella? Ella and Sam's would have worked just fine. I mean, there are phrases we use all the time that don't make sense to me. Here's one. Why do we park on driveways and drive on parkways? Have you ever heard that one? I mean, I heard that as a kid, and I Googled it this week, and there was like a 10-page explanation on why that's the case, and I still don't understand it. Here's another head-scratcher for me. Why is there no egg in eggplant? You're going to be thinking about that on the way home or ham in hamburger. Don't even get me started on pineapple. Doesn't make sense to me. Here's another thing that doesn't make sense to me. Why is the word for fear of long words so long? We can't even fit it on one line it's so long. Hippopotomonstrosiquetopoliadodoxpialidocious. Yep, that's what it says. Now some of us Get a chuckle out of those things. But what about, what about the real questions that don't make sense? You know, the thing that you're kind of thinking in the back of your head sometimes? What do you do when things don't make sense? Here are real questions that I've asked over the past couple months. Why would God allow a child or a loving mother or a hardworking dad get cancer? Doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I mean, maybe there are theological reasons. Maybe there are unsatisfying answers, you know, like sin in the world. But I, I, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around. It doesn't make sense to me that there are areas in the world that don't have access to clean water. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that there are people fiercely struggling with infertility that would love their child so well doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me that we're so connected more than we ever have been by technology, but we're so lonely still. It doesn't make sense to me. And at times, I have to admit to you, I struggle because it doesn't make sense. Life doesn't always seem to make sense. People don't always seem to make sense. Church doesn't always seem to make sense. So what do we do when things don't make sense? When stuff happens that doesn't make any sense and you're asking this question, God, do you even know what you're doing? 
What do you do? I think that there are people in the Bible who can relate to these questions, maybe even asked some of these questions. Do you know what you're doing, God? They probably weren't thinking about, you know, salmonellas or fear of long words. I practiced that all week, by the way, all week, couldn't get it. But they asked these questions like, what are you doing? And why are you doing it the way that you're doing it? Today, we're going to spend some time in Genesis talking about a guy named Abraham and his son named Isaac. Now, Abraham was first called Abram, and God changes his name in chapter 17, which I think is pretty cool, although he changes it from Abram and he just adds a ha in the middle of it, Abraham. Can you imagine my name being changed to that? Add ha-ham. It doesn't have the same ring to it. Now, Abram's story starts in Genesis 11 and 12. And he's already 75 years old when the story starts. Now, Abram is told by God something pretty significant. He's talking about promises that he's going to give to Abram. This is Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. That's a big deal. And go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. That's a promise. I will bless you and make you famous. That's a promise. And you will be a blessing to others. That's a promise. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So God tells Abram to go. And Abram left his family, left his security, left everything he knew, even when it didn't make much sense to do so. And God told Abram that he would bless him and that he would give him lots and lots of descendants. He would bless him in that way, which is a big deal. And to start doing that, you have to have a son. Now we're going to fast forward a little bit. God changes Abram's name to Abraham and and years go by. Struggle happens. Abraham makes some mistakes. Waiting happens until finally in chapter 21, Isaac is born to Abraham's wife, Sarah, when Abraham was 100 years old. Can you imagine bringing a newborn home at 100 years old? It made me tired when I was like 32. For those of you keeping score at home, the promise Abraham got in chapter 12 took 25 years to start happening. But that's not the end of the story. We pick it up. We're going to spend most of our time in Genesis 22. Here's verse 1. Some time later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Excuse me, what? 25 years he waited. And then that's what God asked him to do. That doesn't make any sense to me. God told Abraham to kill his son. I mean, I have a son, Asher. Is God really telling us to hurt the ones we love? How did Abraham even respond? This is verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up early. Is he running away? What's he doing? 
He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. So he, so he actually went? I mean, he, he got up early, I think, to avoid the conversation with his wife, Sarah. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, Abraham, where are you going, honey? So God told me to go over here and kill Isaac. And he's probably thinking, this doesn't make any sense. This seems like a contradiction in all seriousness. God, he, he's praying. Abraham's going, you said you will have your own son. And if I kill Isaac, how will you do it? Do you even know what you're doing? Have you ever asked that question? Do you even know what you're doing? Why in the world, God, would you put me into this situation? Do you even know what you're doing? Why in the world, God, would you allow this to happen to me or to somebody I love? Do you even know what you're doing? Why in the world, God, do I have to feel this way or think this way or be this way? Do you even know what you're doing? It doesn't make any sense. This is verse 4. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. We will worship, and then we'll come right back, like we'll. Isn't Abraham going up there to kill his son? How in the world... Do you worship a God that doesn't always make sense? How powerful is it that that's what Abraham chooses to do? In the middle of things not making sense, he says, I'm going to go worship God. I'm going to do what he asked me to do, even if I can't make sense of it all. This is verse 6. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Valid question, Isaac. That's an innocent question. Can't you hear a kid saying this? Hey, dad, where's the sheep? What's Abraham going to say? It's you. This is verse 8. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. God will provide. God will provide. What does he provide? I mean, in this situation, when things don't make sense, what does he provide? So Abraham follows God exactly where God tells him to go. He picks up Isaac. He puts him on the altar. He picks up the knife. This is verse 11. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. That feels like chill to me, that response. Like, yeah, here I am. I bet it was like, yes, here I am. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Here, 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 here. That's probably more what I would have done. 
Here's how it continues. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, or Yahweh-Yireh, those interchangeable, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. I mean, that's quite a story. I mean, can you imagine going home and telling Sarah? Hey, so I was going to kill him, but then I didn't. Everything's good. I mean, I think this is an amazing story, and it's an amazing example of God being a provider. And the name Jehovah-Jireh, which we're talking about today, it's only used once in the Bible, right here in Genesis 22. And the name is even described to us, so we know exactly what it means. It means the Lord will provide. Now, next week, we're going to dig into the first part of the name, the Jehovah part. But this week, we're going to talk about the whole thing. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And when I hear this story, I think it's an easy story to misunderstand because we already know the end. After we read it, we go, yeah, the Lord will provide. But if we really think about it, the Lord will provide what? He'll provide what we want. You know, is he, is he like a menu at a restaurant? Okay, God, I'd like a portion of happiness with a side of financial security. Uh, hold the onions. We view God like this sometimes. I have to admit to you, I view God like this sometimes. Like he's there to fill my order. And then when I don't get what I want, I want to like send it back, you know? And we talk about his provision like like it's whatever our whim says. And in the story, I think it's easy to think that that's how it works. We ask, he provides, end of story. But if we look closely, I don't think Abraham wanted to walk three days. I don't think he wanted to get to the place he's going to sacrifice his son. So maybe it's not just everything we want. The Lord will provide doesn't mean that he'll just make me be able to dunk a basketball. That's a real sincere prayer. I prayed when I was 10. Does it look like I can dunk a basketball? It's not that he'll provide what I want, even if it's a sincere want. So maybe he'll provide what we need. I think we're getting a little warmer there. This is Philippians 4.19. This is what it says. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. So it says right there, he'll provide all of our needs, but what does that mean? And here's what's hard for me to reconcile. Maybe you're, you're like this too. I know that there are people who are homeless. Like in our communities, I know that. We know that there are people who need food or water or clothes. We know that there are people who are struggling in this room right now. And this this just doesn't make sense. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around. And I have this question, 
How does God provide when it doesn't make sense? Because whether we like it or not, sometimes life just doesn't add up. How does God provide in difficult circumstances like addiction or disability or cancer? How does God provide in bankruptcy? How does God provide in losing a loved one or a job or a home? How does God provide when it doesn't make any sense? Now, there are some things I think we can learn about God's provision from this story when we really dig into the story about Abraham and Isaac. So here's the first thing I think we can learn. God doesn't always provide in the way we expect. If you look at the story of Abraham and Isaac, it doesn't track quite the way that I think it should. Especially if you don't know the ending. I mean, the problem with God providing in the way that makes sense to us is that we're not God. We want to think we are. We want to act like we are. But we're not. He's beyond our understanding. And there are things in my life, real things in my life, that I have prayed for that I think make sense. But they didn't happen. When I was growing up, my best friend, his mom named Sue, ended up having cancer. Now, I lived in their house. My parents ended up moving across the country and kind of finished up high school living in their house. She was one of the kindest, gentlest, funniest people that I'd ever met. And I begged God, I begged him to keep her alive. And I'm standing here today and I'm admitting to you, I still don't get it. That was 20 years ago, 15 years ago. I still don't get it. We just don't understand. And we think that we have to understand. And when we're in circumstances and situations that don't make sense, I think that this story is a reminder that even in the midst of when things don't make sense, God will provide. And sometimes it's in the way we expect. That's what kind of happens here in the story. You know, Abraham is given the ram, everything turns out good. But sometimes it doesn't turn out quite the way that we expect. You know, so yeah, God keeps the promises he gives to Abraham and Isaac. But it took him 25 years to fulfill the promise. And he asks, he asks Abraham to do something that I just don't think I would do. Even, even just think about harming my son like that. But God doesn't always provide in the way or in the time we expect. And when we are the end of that, when we are the rule of that, it doesn't always jive. And it's not going to always jive. And he keeps his promises. He'll keep every single promise he gives to me and to you and to Abraham. He does. But maybe not in the way we expect. 
Here's the second thing I think we can learn. God's provision is actually more about him than it is about me. I make most things in my life about me. I have to admit that. I'm an expert in me. Like if there was a trivia show about Adam, I would crush it. I think I approach God's provision like that's backwards. Like it's more about me than it is about him. But God's provision in our lives is more about who God is than it is who we are or what he provides even. This is a question that I have. What's more important? What's more important to you? What God's providing to you or who he is to you? I'm going to ask it again. What's more important to you? What God provides to you or who he is to you? God's provision is rooted in us being provided with the greatest things we need. And God's provision in the story wasn't just a ram to be in the place of Isaac. Did you notice how the story started? It starts with this opportunity for Abraham to deepen his relationship with God. It starts with God testing Abraham's Faith, which is hard for me to comprehend, but that actually turns out to be more about God than it does about Abraham. God's provision is more about him than it is about me. Here's the third thing I think we can learn. God has already provided more than I can comprehend. I mean, when we think about God providing, I think it's easy to kind of have the laundry list, you know. Dear God, provide me the right job. Dear God, heal the sickness. Dear God, give me what I need. Dear God, maybe a little bit more time to go fishing. But those are real, genuine prayers, right? And isn't it amazing that he's already provided for our greatest need? That's Jesus. And when I read the story of Abraham and Isaac, I immediately think about the story of Jesus. And in the story of Abraham, God provides big time. He sends the ram and saves the son. But in our story, God provides big time too. He sends his son to save all of man. And sometimes he sends the ram and sometimes he sends his son. Sometimes he provides for the physical need, the need that we have in that moment but he always provides for the spiritual need. Hope, joy, peace, forgiveness, love, those are the provisions that God gives us. And when we think about provision today, we have to start and we have to end with Jesus, not with what we want or what we desire. Because our provision is wrapped up in Jesus and what he did by dying on the cross for our sins. God's already provided more than I can even wrap my mind around. And that's not getting into practical things like life and breath and personality. He provides all those things too. Here's the fourth thing we can learn. God provides life with him in eternity. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, though not always in this life or in the way that we expect. Have you ever noticed how like fleeting life is? You know, it can be painful. 
It can be scary. It has its joys and its sorrows, its laughter and its tears. But heaven, heaven's a different story. If we believe in Jesus, if we follow him, heaven is really where God's promises are fully realized, where his provision takes place. Does that sound like an empty promise to you today? I understand. I mean, sometimes the weight of what we go through is really difficult. And it weighs us down. And it pushes us down. But this is true. I believe it. Here's the provision of hope that God gives. We may not be healed in this life, but we'll be healed in heaven. We may not see answers to our most sincere or greatest prayers in this life, but we'll be restored in heaven. We may not experience the respite from our pain or our struggle in this life. And that sounds hopeless, but I promise you in eternity, there is no more sorrow or tears or pain. Just joy in Jesus. So when life seems to not make sense and when God seems to not know what he's doing, this story of Abraham and Isaac This name of God, Jehovah Jireh, serves as this amazing reminder, this amazing anchor, this foundation for us. It's a reminder to put our trust in him even when we don't understand. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. I find Abraham's obedience like really inspiring in this story. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I I think to myself, would I do this? Would I do what this person is doing? And I have to admit, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would be taking my son Asher to sacrifice him in a three days walk. I love my son. And I don't think I can do a three days walk. What do you think was going on in Abraham's head? Like as he's walking for days, son right there, what do you think was going on in his head? Was he pleading with God, begging, praying? Was he saying the same questions that you say, that I say? God, do you even know what you're doing? I would have been. That's what I would have been doing. Here's what we do know. And I think that this is an important piece to understanding God's provision. Even in the midst of it not making sense, even in the midst of God asking Abraham to leave his entire family and security and stability behind, even after waiting 25 years, even when God said, give me your son, Abraham followed. God said, I will show you where to go. And Abraham followed. He followed God. 
even when it didn't make sense. Here's the bottom line. We can do that too. Follow God even when it doesn't make sense. Why? Because I believe that. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. I will follow even when he asks me to go somewhere really weird. I will follow even when he asks me to do something that I don't understand. I will follow even when the cancer returns. I will follow even when the divorce moves forward. I will follow even when I've been hurt by someone or I have hurt someone. I will follow even when I worry about where in the world are we going. I will follow even when I feel alone, when I feel depressed, when I feel anxious. I will follow even when I'm down to my very last penny or I have all the pennies in the world. I will follow even when I desperately miss someone who has passed away and it doesn't make sense. I will follow even when it doesn't feel right. I will follow God even when it doesn't make sense because it is real and it is true that the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, he will. Maybe not in the way we expect. Maybe not even in the way that makes sense to us, but he will. The Lord will provide, and he has. He's already done it. In my life, he's provided peace in the pain. He does provide love in the loneliness. He does provide hope for the helpless. And he provided Jesus. He is Jehovah Jireh, and we can be inspired by Abraham today. Follow God, even when it doesn't make sense, because the Lord will provide. I'd like to pray for us. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and that's inspiring to me. Abraham's example of following you. Even, even when it doesn't make sense to me, even reading it now, it doesn't make sense to me why you'd ask him to do that in that way. I'm thankful that you provide even when we don't know what to ask for. I'm thankful that you provide even when I don't understand. I'm thankful that you provide even in the midst of our pain and our struggle and our turmoil. I'm thankful that you provide through Jesus, and that really does change everything. That's not just lip service. We believe that Jesus dying on the cross for our sins completely changes the way that we can view everything, including you, including ourselves. You have provided, you are providing, you will provide, and today, this morning, I'm thankful that you love us that much. You love us to not even always make sense and that you love us through Jesus. And I am, I'm going to do my best this week. My prayer is that we all do our best this week to follow, even when it doesn't make sense, because Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And it's in your name that we pray today. Amen.